Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, ESPN.com. The Colts beat writer who has been quite active over the past week and a half or so. He is Stephen Holder with us. Is there um, going to be at some point, is there going to be a solution to this? That's A. And then B, you think we'll look back at any sort of solution if there is one and say, wow, that, that should have been much easier than it turned out to be. What do you think? Mm. Well, as to whether there there will be a solution, I sure as hell hope so, because <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> uh, and also, in all seriousness, this can't continue. This is not sustainable. It's sustainable maybe right now because there's no game on Sunday. This is still a, a situation where the Colts are, are five weeks shy of the regular season. So, so for them, you know, right now, Time is, is kind of on their side, and, and they can maybe let this play out and, you know, perhaps see if the player comes around or, you know, all of those those possibilities that may or may not happen. Right now, you can let them kind of play out. But I, I think with each day that goes, you know, it brings us a little bit closer to, to whatever point it is where this, this can't continue. And so – I'm with you. I think that this has to be brought to a conclusion at some point. You know, is that a trade? Is that Jonathan Taylor having a complete 180 and change of opinion, which seems like a lot to expect right now? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, as to whether as to whether it, it should have been easier, you know, once we get to that eventual eventual conclusion, I actually. I, I probably will not look at it that way just because I think things are are so uh, heated, you know, in terms of where Jonathan Taylor's at, in, in terms of his relationship with, with the Colts. I think it is in such disrepair that I don't think any solution, uh, whatever it ends up being, is, is going to be easy. So we know why Jonathan Taylor and his side of things are so angry. What is the level of anger on the Ursay Ballard Colt side of things, and what really majorly escalated it to the point to where, you know, they're floating around a lot of options, and you know, obviously, you and, and Mike both had this early in the week. They float around a lot of options here, obviously, to get the attention of the other side through you guys on this. Where was the breaking point, the anger point for them in all this? Okay, so that's that's a big part of this. And you, let me be clear. You're talking about the, the breaking point for the team? Yeah, for when, when did – because okay. it didn't okay. sound like that they were all that pissed. Right. And now it sounds like, you know, either through reporting from you or other right. hearsay right. that they're pissed now. What what was the thing that uh, – that's uh, was it the, the, the tweets from the agent? Was it other things? Was it the attitude of Taylor? Why are they so pissed? So – I, I will speak for Chris Ballard because I don't know if I don't know if that's true of him. I, I think he has kind of stayed out of the fray 
at least certainly publicly he has, uh, other than the, the comment he made on, on the day the Colts reported, which I think if you're, if you're Jonathan Taylor, you might well have um, interpreted as, as Chris Ballard saying, we're not paying you. When he said, you know, look, we're coming off a tough year, and Jonathan was hurt last year, and it is what it is. And that's kind of a <laughs> that's not a very veiled statement, right? So other than that, though, Chris Ballard has has largely stayed out of this publicly. But if you ask where where the Colts where things were ratcheted up for the Colts, I, I won't say anger. I'm not going to speak for people and put words in their mouths, but I do think the trade we request uh, definitely got people's attention. Because there was some hope, and this was part of the, the meeting on Saturday night on Ursay's bus. There was some hope that, look, you know, maybe we can, we can pull him back in and say, hey, just be patient, work with us, and we'll take care of you at some point. That point is not now, clearly, but at some point we'll take care of you, Jonathan. And, and I think Ursay in particular, it, appear, it appears, hoped that he could appeal to – Jonathan, T- Jonathan Taylor's good nature, you know, um, he's a good guy. He's, he's intelligent. I can maybe pull him back in. I think that was Ursay's hope here, it appears, and that didn't get him anywhere. <laughs> it did not get him anywhere. So you saw once the, the trade request became public, you saw an immediate rejection of that idea. Immediate. And on the record, wasn't, it wasn't leaked. It wasn't any of that. It was like... You can say I said it, right? Yeah. So that that was, I think, part of it getting ratcheted up. Uh, you know, look, the, the talk about the non-football injury list, I, I would say this. I, I don't think when we learned of that, those conversations had already happened behind closed doors. So it wasn't necessarily a threat made through the media. The threat, if you want to call it a threat or whatever, the, the idea was floated I presume in person, you know, or at least man to man, you know, with Taylor's camp. So it's just that that's when we learned of it. But but making it public, I think, does certainly change the tone of things. Certainly. So so that's where I'd say. And then the the final thing I would say is that, and then this is in my big story from this morning on ESPN.com, uh, when Jonathan Taylor showed up. And reported to training camp uh, last week, last Tuesday. Uh, the Colts were really taken aback at the level of his anger about the situation. And that there's a, there's a lot of complexity in that and how he got to that point, which we can talk about. But, but the point is, I think they were, they were expecting a guy who was going to kind of work with them. And instead, they got a guy who just wanted no part of the situation. So that definitely it, – it started – things off on, on the wrong foot as far as the Colts are concerned, um, you know, it, it just kind of ratcheted things up as well. You know, when you talk about how they got where we are, you know, that was a part of it as well. So he started, they started out with a, a soft touch kind of approach, and then it, it escalated. It really went like zero to 60. Then it escalated to, to where we are basically right now. Is this part of a blueprint or a plan from his representation with that, with that anger and that approach from Jonathan Taylor that, that evidently, according to your story, the Colts were, were offended by, I would guess, for lack of a better description? Was that all a part of this plan from Jonathan Taylor's representation? I've been asked that a lot, and, and, I, and I get why. 
and I wondered that too and, and probably was somewhat convinced that's what it was, I feel differently now. And where I have landed on all of that is that, no, this is, this is Jonathan Taylor just coming to a point where he's like, I think, look, you know, this is, I'm, I'm truly upset. And he's truly unhappy. Whether you agree with him or not, not you, but the general public, you know, whether, whether we agree with him or not is, is immaterial. All I'm saying is, in his mind, he's justified in feeling the way he feels. And look, this goes back to last year, as I laid out, right? He, he was hurt. We, it was well documented. He got hurt, I believe it was week, don't quote me, five maybe, uh, against Tennessee. He hurts the ankle. He misses, I believe, the next two games. And then he comes back, he gets, uh, he gets a couple games under his belt, then he gets hurt again. And then, if I'm not mistaken, that's when I think he went on IR. So, I mean, this, this happened. There were, there were three different instances. Plus, which uh, the one thing I, uh, I neglected to mention in my story is, is the turf toe that he played through early in the season. And so I think the first couple games, and then he kind of got past it. So he basically was hurt from start to finish. But here's the thing. In Taylor's mind, when, when people ask, well, why is he so mad? Okay, yeah, he's not getting a contract since. Why can't he just wait? Okay, fair. Um, but if you ask him why he's mad, I'm telling you why he's mad. He's mad because this goes back to last year. He feels like your team sucked. Your team was absolutely terrible. And I laid it on the line for this team when I could have gone on IR, got this surgery back in October, and been good to go You know, shortly after that for, for the offseason. Could have had you know, perhaps – he maybe participates in OTAs if that's the case, right? I don't know. And then he's really primed maybe for a big 2023 if he goes that route. Instead, he decides, okay, I'm going to push through it. My team needs me. They're absolutely terrible. We have no quarterback. <laughs> so Jonathan Taylor does the considerate thing in his mind and says, I'm going to play through it and be there for my team. And now on the back end of it, I think in his mind, the way he interprets this is that, all right, you're using my play against me when I shouldn't even have been out there. So I, I kind of, I think you can understand where he's coming from there. So were you privy to the dialogue that went on on the RV bus on Saturday between Taylor and, and Jim Mersey? Uh, some of it, yes, and and I think. What was that? Did it become at all contentious, or was it calm? No, that wasn't that wasn't my sense. I, not that I'm aware. Not that I'm aware, but. It does appear that Jonathan Taylor stood his ground. Uh, he, he did not come around. I think Jim Mercy wanted him. I think I think Jim Mercy knows that that he can be very persuasive, right? And and he is. And I think he wanted to have an opportunity to use those pers- those skills of persuasion to to get Jonathan Taylor to perhaps see the light, as I, I imagine Jim Mercy saw it. And that did not happen. And now, as to it being contentious, I, I can't speak to all of that. I don't know that it was. No one told me that it was. But um, I think points were made, and but opinions apparently did not change. <laughs> so uh, within a few minutes or maybe an hour after that, we learned that Jonathan Taylor had demanded a trade. And, and frankly, that, that had been made. That trade had been made on the day – excuse me, the trade request – this is important. The trade request was made on the day Taylor showed up. So that also set the tone from the beginning. 
He walked in the door. They talked. He requested a trade. Boom. Did he have previous non-football-related injuries back? And then I think, what was right. the other one? A hamstring, something like that, that, there, that we're hearing about there, now? There, yeah, so... Because, I mean, I, I was assumed with that, that last tweet that he had where he said get new sources, I'm assuming that he was pointing the finger with, with you and, and Chapel, right, from last week. Is yeah, that correct? That, that's fine. That's fine. I got no problem with that. Listen, players get to have their say, too. I mean, I listen, I write a whole lot of words every day, right? So <laughs> I tell guys all the time, look, I got no problem with you saying you got a, an issue with something that I put out there because I get my say, you get your say. I got no problem with Jonathan, actually, to be clear. Like, we're good. But here's what I'd say. Um, this is maybe uh, an issue of semantics, Okay. I was told very clearly and without question that, that that Jonathan reported to the team that he was feeling some discomfort in the back and hamstring, uh, glutes, et cetera. Uh, I, I think there's some relationship between all of this, perhaps, or at least let me rephrase that, strike that. There is some belief that there is a relationship between all of this from the team's perspective. But – but I also was told that ultimately no one really thinks this is going to be a huge deal. So hopefully that's true. I mean, I can't speak to it other than to tell you what people told me. Um, you know, Jonathan de- denied it. I-, I think it's, again, as I said, it might be a matter of semantics. It's, it's perhaps being described inaccurately or, or maybe a little differently than he sees it in terms of what he told them and what he's feeling but i can't read his mind and, and only he knows his body so that's all i can tell you on that uh but but i, I don't think he's going to end up on the non-football injury list no, that's that's very unlikely um and and i don't think that ultimately whatever issues beyond the ankle he's experiencing uh, i i don't get the sense that it's going to be something that prevents him from like playing this year or anything like that. So Stephen Holder of ESPN.com with us. How often is their phone ringing regarding, from what you've heard, Jonathan right. Taylor? So good question. Uh, it, it, it's a little, it's a little murky on that part because uh, I think you have. You, I, what we don't know is whether the Colts have expressly told other teams to call them. Like, hey, you know, our our phones are open, lines are open, <laughs> like like your show, right? I, I don't know that they have put that out there yet. In fact, what we know is that we have Jamerse very much on the record to everyone saying, not no, but hell no, we're not trading Jonathan Taylor. Now, I will tell you this. Everybody has a price, including Jonathan Taylor. And the Colts have not, internally at least, they have not ruled it out. And I'm not convinced that it won't happen. I have no idea what the price tag would be. I don't know what teams. But I, I do know that at ESPN we've been told there are, there are at least a couple of teams that would, that would have legitimate interest. Whether they have talked to the Colts, I cannot comment on that. I don't know. But uh, I talked to a couple other executives in the league, like uh, assistant general manager level people. And – they have told me that, yeah, they, they believe there's a market for him, not their particular teams, but they believe there's a market for him. And 
it'll kind of boil down to, you know, whether they can make a deal. Because I think you you don't trade for him as a rental. I think if you're trading for him, you're you're going to say this is a 24 year old superstar running back. Now, whether that matters to you or not, I don't know. That's up to the individual teams, right? But but that's what Jonathan Taylor is. He's a 24 year old star running back with electric potential. He, he can be a home run on any given play. That was not the case last year on a very regular basis. That is true. But as we have already established, he was playing hurt the whole year. It is what it is. But that has been his calling card throughout his career has been he's a home run running back. And, and that's why, honestly, uh, he, 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 that, that's really what he's, he's pegging his demand to a, to, for a contract extension on, I think, you know, because that's, that's what he does. And, and I think the argument that running backs are a dime a dozen, that is, there's, there's merit to that argument. The question is, do you see Jonathan Taylor, if you were interested in him, do you see Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor as being uh, having a different identity than, than those guys you talk about who are, are dime a dozen? And I think perhaps his home run ability may separate him. You know, it's in the eye of the beholder, though. Hey, Stephen, this is my theory on this, and, and please feel free to debunk this theory because you're much more educated on this situation than I am. But when you mention that you don't see a team utilizing him in a trade as a rental possibility, I disagree with that. Because I think if you're a team that you believe that you're close right now and, you know, yeah. you're running back away and knowing contractually what he is, and even if you gave him a little bit of a bump right now if you wanted to, you don't even necessarily have to keep him around. Plus, you're going to get a guy that I can't imagine a level of motivation he's going to have compared to what we have seen in the past. I, I do. I think he, to me, seems like a great rental possibility and also factor in that in no way in the world the Colts are going to get anything more than, to me, a third rounder I think would be a dream right now considering what they could get in return for him. So I think it's going to be low cost in terms of draft selections and a a high reward situation over the risk if you're looking to rent somebody like that for this season. You know what, I don't don't disagree with that. When I said I don't don't anticipate a, a team renting him, and I hate that term, obviously, but for lack of a better word, um, I'm not ruling it out necessarily. I, I, I think what I'm saying is it, if you take him on in that situation, you are basically inheriting, inheriting part of the Colts' problem, which is you have this guy who, who feels like he deserves a contract extension. And so if you, if you, don't, if you acquire him without any intention of giving him one, I think you ha- you will be wary. You should be wary about whether you are just, you know, creating a problem or in- or inheriting the Colts issue. So so that's why I say that. Um, but the the scenario you laid out is very fair, which is, okay, if you're a if you're a team that's on the verge and and you're a playmaker away, well, you can't get a better playmaker than Jonathan Taylor, right? Not not right now in the NFL. There's, there's nobody. There's no. Well, like, like a team like my. I don't know who Miami has playing running back right now, but a team well, like Miami that seems that close to on the verge, right? Yeah, that's that, they're one of the teams that comes to mind. Yeah, uh, certainly. And you've got a, a coach who knows how to get a lot out of his running backs. 
uh, with with his schemes. I mean, <laughs> again, I'm not reporting that. I'm just saying. No, no, no. Theoretically, I, I agree yeah, with you. Theoretically, I, right? That's the team. That's one of the teams that comes to mind for me. They're also aggressive as hell, right? They are super aggressive right now in terms of personnel. So, I I don't disagree with you. I I think they're, and that's why you know when you talk to people in the NFL, they say like, hey, hold on now, like this guy is special. You know, I get how people feel about running backs, but like there's a there's a scenario where where someone could make use of him. And I don't disagree with that. So yeah, I, I think you're right in principle about someone taking him on for one year. The question is, does he does he cooperate, Jonathan, does he cooperate with that scenario, uh, given the fact that, that he would not have the extension that he's looking for? If he if he could do that then that could be a workable scenario. So you think that his representation is going to let him screw himself in his career that bad? Because that's exactly what he would do. I mean, listen, I think that a team could trade for him, give him a a bit of a bump, and then if he would sit out, for example, if he would not want to play, sitting out this season, I I don't even know why that would be in the cards for him. I I don't. I I don't know why you'd even consider that. Yeah, I mean, no one's told me that that is – uh, a possibility here. I mean, I, no one's gone there mm. in talking to me, at least. So I, I have not considered that as part of the outcome here. I mean, and also, look, we're, we're maybe maybe we're not there yet. Maybe that happens later, that threat sure. or something. I don't know, but but certainly not right now. So I, I don't I don't think that's in the cards, and I don't think that is something that has has been broached to my knowledge. Yes. So. Would you consider this, and I guess this is the ultimate right now, considering the two sides, are these irreconcilable differences that we see? Uh, I think Jonathan Taylor feels that way. Now, as as the days go on and maybe options begin to dwindle, does that change? I don't know. That, that would be my answer. So, you know, I think the Colts, I, don't, I can't speak for them, but if – my opinion and my my read of this right my read of this with the Colts is as I said earlier the time is on their side be all right let's let's see if he calms down if at some point he calms down and hopefully in a few weeks or a couple weeks I don't know I'm just throwing this out there let's say in a couple weeks he gets back on the field he still got, got a couple weeks before the regular season at that point you know you're probably feeling like that's workable Okay, this is a hypothetical, just very, very hypothetical. So if you're the Colts, that's probably what you're hoping for. (laughs) You know, I mean, but at the same time, I think one thing I keep hearing is everyone saying, well, the team has all the leverage. They certainly have a majority of the leverage. That is no question. However, there's a couple things that we are probably overlooking, which is you still have this issue hovering over the locker room which is very unhealthy, very unhealthy, I think. And it involves a guy who is adored in that locker room. They love Jonathan Taylor, okay? So how does that play? And wh- where does that – how does that impact how the Colts proceed? These are hypothetical questions. I don't know the answer. I'm just saying, if you're Chris Ballard, Jim Mercer, you have to think about that. You do. You have to think about that. You know, you, you have told your team time and time and time and time again, you do your thing and we will take care of you. I am not saying Jonathan Taylor is entitled to a damn thing. All I'm saying is 
that's the message, right? And so if if that's the message, then you know, you you kind of have to there there's a time when you're expected to walk the walk with your team. So so that's all I'm saying. That is that's the one variable where Jonathan Taylor I wouldn't call it leverage, but but there are some considerations perhaps on the other side of it too when you look at that part of it. One final thing to consider, if they were to give him a, a boost, a bump, if you will, in salary in this final year of his contract, would that motivate him? Or is he going to be stuck in this position until he gets some sort of whatever extension-wise contract here? Hmm. Uh how do you get him on the field? How do you get him on the yeah. field now? Right, right. I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think it's worth a try, though. I don't know the answer to that. But, but if you're the Colts, don't you think it's worth a try? No, I, 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 this is also silly to me. There has to be something else because it seems so simple. I mean, look, you got Anthony well, Richards taking the, the, all the, the one snaps. And I don't care what. I mean, Jonathan Taylor or not, you need him out there. Because he's just necessary. You need him out there during the season. You need him out there right now working with his rookie quarterback, all of the above. And and the fact they haven't found any common ground just seems really stupid to me. And I I know where the Colts stand, too. I mean, I've been told that they they, they want him effectively to play out his contract. And then if they're going to give him a raise and an extension, that's when they're going to do it. And I just wonder if they were they're going to be able to move off of that whatsoever, monetarily speaking, in this final season of his contract. Yeah. Look, teams love having control, uh, and that, that they have a lot of control over Jonathan Taylor right now. Uh, frankly, I, I think I think the expectation from Jonathan Taylor's perspective is that, well, I'm getting franchised next year. So, uh, you know, I have this is the only card I can play is to just, you know, get me out of here. You know, I really think he, there's an expectation that it's coming. I mean, Jim Mercer pushed back really hard on on the idea of changing how the franchise tag is paid, did he not? And so you can say that wasn't about Jonathan Taylor, and I will give you the benefit of the doubt, but <laughs> yeah. you you seemed really upset about it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, I, I would say to your point, yeah, find some common ground. I wish, you know, I think that would be the, the best outcome for everyone. The other thing I will leave you with is this. You mentioned it already. The big loser here is Anthony Richardson, and that's who, that's who I think is coming up short here because – He's about to get thrown in the fire here, rightfully so. I think that's the right play. But he's about to get thrown in the fire, it sure looks like. And he's not going to, at least at the moment, he doesn't have his biggest weapon uh, as he attempts to do that. Yeah. And, And once again, to the effect, you can look at it as this organization is incapable at times of getting out of its own way. That's how many are going to view it. Yeah. It's a mess. It's a mess. All right. Hey, the latest on ESPN.com is Stephen Holder and uh, new stuff regarding the soap opera between the Colts and Jonathan Taylor. That's at ESPN.com as he covers the Colts. Man, I appreciate you hopping on here today. Uh, there, there's no rest, so you might as well. I'm not, I would say, hey, get a little bit of rest, but forget that. You're not going to get rest <laughs> until at least January. So be ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm off to the Sports Center for the 17th time All right. last week. <laughs> hey, do you do you say that you say kind of the same thing in each? one or do you change it up uh no there have been different days for the most part so we, we would try we generally try to 
try to vary the topics too. So yeah, <laughs> at least a little bit. Don't get caught in a still shot with your eyes shut like you're not paying attention uh, like we used to do to Wells all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm always bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. <laughs> all right, buddy. I appreciate you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, CBS 4 and Fox 59, uh, he was one of the two, along with Stephen Holder, that uh, got the information regarding you know, the possibility if they wanted to utilize that, they being the Colts, the non-football-related injury list, which also got a response via Twitter from Jonathan Taylor, who said that, Mike, you need to get new sources. <laughs> In yeah, this case, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with my sources. <laughs> I think you're okay. Yeah, I can imagine where your sources are, and I, I think you're okay with that. I'll start here, and then I'll move on because we've talked about that for the most part all week long, and I know everybody is kind of beaten down from it, especially those that cover it on a daily basis. But I asked Stephen Hold of this, and I'm curious your response to it as well. Are these irreconcilable differences we're talking about here with both sides? I, I mean, you'd think so. I, I I just can't get myself to believe that because for that to be the case, one, the Colts would have to, I don't say cave in, but, but change course and decide to trade him, which is possible. I mean, Jimmy told us, you know, not now, not in October, which is a trade dead, deadline, but things changed. I, I remember in 2011 in July when Anderson and, Peyton signs his new extension, new contract, and he says, "I'm glad to be a Colt for life." <laughs> he never played again <laughs> yeah. for the Colts. So, you know, I still can't believe Jim Irsay did that. By the way, I still can't believe. I that. <laughs> I so, can't so believe. you know, th- things change, yeah. and I still think if I had to bet a hundred dollars of my money that Taylor will be on the opening day roster, because the other option is that he that he does take this to DefCon One and. He 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 stays on pup or whatever, which is no good for either side, particularly him, because whether he likes it or not, and Jim Mersey didn't really say it right. I know what he was saying where he said, "If I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is no longer in the league, the NFL will go on." Well, he's right, but it's it's there's better ways of saying it, I guess. But I just have to believe that at some point. Jonathan Taylor will realize that his best option is to swallow his pride and, and practice and play. Because if he doesn't, I mean, we could do this again next year. If if there's a suspension or NFI or the contract holds. So, you know, it's irreconcilable. I don't think so. But, you know, maybe we're not that far away from being there. Why is this so difficult? I mean, why is it? I mean, when when both sides should understand as easily as we understand, and we're not even in this business, but as easily well, as we understand they need one another here, why why is there no common ground? It, it's so difficult in my mind because both sides are right. Both sides, I think, have very, very strong views that I could, as a senior at Ball State in, in, in debate class, I could take either side and really make a strong case. But just because both sides are right, doesn't mean that this is gonna I think that's what makes it harder is that Taylor's got some very, very strong evidence or whatever you want to call it that he deserves it, he's earned it and all that. And oh by the way, you've done this through six, eight players in the past who who you would argue that haven't been as impactful as him. You know, the the Shacks and Quentin and Braden Smith and on and on and on. 
and, and then the team can go, come back and, and they both Ursay and Chris Ballard sort of mentioned that, hey, things have changed, uh, you know, coming off a four-win season and a new coaching staff and, and oh, by the way, the injury. So I, I can totally understand that. One thing I would love to, to get an answer for, and we won't ever, is is to either talk to Chris or Shane Steichen and say, you know, what what, what does Shane Steichen, what, what's his belief, what's his evaluation of Jonathan Taylor? And, you know, has all of a sudden the new coach come in and said, you know, in my offense that's quarterback-driven, we don't need a, a top-five running back. We, we can get by with a Miles Sanders or in, in, in a backs-by committee and let's not, you know, invest – Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen million dollars a year in a in a running back. You know, it, it, do I believe that's the case? I don't know, but it's possible. And so again, I think both sides have very, very strong arguments, which makes compromise difficult because each side believes in their heart that they're right. But somebody's got to give. I I just don't know that the team will. It it does set a bad precedent when you when a player. Not ask, but but demands a trade. I mean, I realize Stefan Gilmore did, and I realize Naheem Hines did, and both got trades. This is different. It's, it's just different. So I, I don't know. And the sad part is, again, you've got a, a great player, and again, you, you, you've got you've you've got the player who realizes how important he is to the team. You know, when Jim Mercer says, you know, we love Jonathan and we expect him to come in, and we hope he comes in. And could help Anthony Richardson be have a great season. Well, all you're doing is then telling JT that he's really, really important to you. And by the way, we're not going to give you an extension. And and then Jimmy said, you know, and, and he's right, where he says, you know, this organization has taken care of its players. And he's talking about all those guys that extended. Well, yeah, but except here's JT sitting here saying, wait a minute, what about me? So again, I think both. I don't think either side's wrong. Uh, if one side was just flat out wrong, it would be very easy, I think, for it to be resolved or easier to be resolved. This is difficult. There's so many moving parts, and one of the parts that's not moving is JT. He's out there every day in his hoodie watching, and we've been reduced as a media to reading body language. Yeah, we've been well, down that path before. That's not. That's nothing new for this group here. Right. Yeah. Right. So that that's not good, and again, I it seems to me that the next move, I think Stephen's written that that the NFI that we were talk that we talked about, he and I talked about over the weekend, that the team, you know, that's a weapon, but boy, that's that's really really taking it up five notches. It it, it certainly gives the team the ultimate leverage, but you don't want to do that, and it, it seems to me like at some point where we're headed is. The team says, we think you're ready to practice. And JT says, no, I'm not. And then I assume there's a there's, there's some kind of a grievance filed, and then the union gets involved. And then, you know, then what? I don't know because whenever – you can't make a guy practice who says he's injured. You can't do it. It's just really hard to do, hard to prove and all that. And, and as, as some guys at the start pointed out, this injury, this surgery – uh, normally has a four to six week rehab time. Well, goodness, we're six months into it, six months plus. 
So it's it's just there's so many moving parts in this, and there's no easy, simple solution. And both sides are dug in, and I, I, I'm, I just want it over because it just sort of dominates everything else going on in camp. Now, you know this as well as I do. Uh, the Colts do expect him. They want to see him play and perform this year before they hand down anything longer term right. and pay him more. Um, would they move off of that, Mike, just in terms of this year and maybe give him a bump something you know for the time and the effort this year in this final year of his contract something that he could be in the moment happy with that can move him off of his position if they move a little bit off of theirs is there any common ground possibilities with that in mind I, it wouldn't be out of the out of the realm of possibility to do that give him whatever rework the deal where you give him an extra but, but what extra would you need to give him Three million, four million, six million. I don't know. Uh, they did that similar, I guess, but certainly different situations. But remember when Jacoby Brissett all of a sudden was their starter? Yeah, and he had the, you know, the, at the tail end of the rookie contract, and they redid it and gave him, you know, what amounted to mid midline starter uh, pay for those two years. So anything's possible. But what would it take? How much would they have to? To, to fork over to have him say, okay, now, you know, and, and, and who, who doesn't think that the, as soon as that, that happens, he's not practicing, which tells you all along that maybe this was a hold in all along. And, and he, this was totally about the contract, which some people believe. So yeah, I think they could do that. I don't know why they wouldn't, but what would it take to have JT say, okay, that's enough. Now I can come in. And, you know, then he has a good year, a really good year, whatever, then they franchise him. And then then we go through the Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs stuff next year. But at least that would take care of this year. And at this point, maybe that's all you want to do. It's crazy when you say, well, it it makes no sense to give a running back a long-term contract. Well, but we're not – with running backs, we're not talking six years. We're talking a two- or three-year deal. And in running back life, that's what a long-term deal is now. And that's why with the, with the running back and with a running back, especially a top tier one, you, one you need to strike while you can and get what you can. At the same time, you need to get while you can. You know now, uh, in holding out, just you know, I'd like to see where this Josh Jacob thing goes with the Raiders, because holding out and, and threatening your money, a lot of times that's money you never get back. So it's really dicey. You hope that. The player's getting good advice. I, I would question whether he is or not. I, I don't think he is, but that's up to him. He's a big boy, and if he doesn't think he and if he doesn't agree with what's been said or whatever, then step up and say no. This is what we're going to do. But the fact he changed he changed agents. Remember before he changed agents, he was well. You know, I like an extension, but I put pen to paper. I signed a four year deal. Well, that's changed. You know, all of a sudden, those quotes back in whatever it was, March or April, whenever we talked to him, has changed dramatically. And uh, it's gotten very, very contentious, obviously. But it, it, it could be resolved somehow with, with extra money or whatever. But gosh darn, they need him. He needs them. Because, again, it, it, it comes September 10th, they'll play a game, and there will be a running back, whether it's JT or – Deion Jackson or whomever. 
So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Some of these these videos you're talking about, you know, reading body language. And yeah, this takes us back to the whole Andrew Luck era, which makes me want to vomit right. immediately. I'm sure it probably does you as well. But we're kind of forced into that situation now. And there were some video shots a little bit earlier this week of what it looked like Jonathan Taylor limping around. What What is your belief, his injury situation or lack thereof? Right now. The only injury that we know for sure, f- f- without question, was the right ankle. He had that debridement surgery, and that was in j- of January, and that's it. I mean, both Steve and I were told about possible back issue in the offseason working out in Arizona, which would, you know, give him a ch- the, the possibility of a non football injury. But Nothing else. I mean, if this is simply the high ankle sprain from last year and where he got, you know, the old loose bodies taken out of the ankle, then that should have been healed by now. It's Again, it's a four- to six-week uh, uh, rehab. So did he did he do something else? Again, he was he was at uh, the off-season works and the veteran minicamp and didn't do anything. So so when, if there's another injury, when, did that, when might that have happened? And if he if he's out in Arizona working out on his own, and they really wanted him here. They wanted him to work out here, rehab here, after the OTAs and all that, and, and he chose not to. But if he's out in Arizona and he twists his ankle again or does something, that's non-football. That's considered by the NFL non-football because you're away from the team. But we've been given no, you know, nothing from the team officially that it's anything more than – the, the ankle surgery that he's not yet recovered from. We've not been told it's a hamstring, it's a back, anything by the team officially. So I, I've said from the start in the last 10 days, I, I, I wish JT would walk over one day and talk and, and, and just clear the air and give us his side of it. You know, no back and forth with the agent and the owner and all this. It's just him telling us what's going on. But until we get his side from him, you're just left to wonder what the heck's going on. What's, what do you think is more logical here that the Colts may play? If I only give you two choices, is that maybe a little bit of bump in this final year of his contract salary-wise this year that would at least be adequate enough for him to move forward right now and, and come off of, of his stance, hardline stance right now, or going against what Jim said early in the week or late last week, if you will, and trading him someplace? Oh, of the two, I would say a bumping pay. I think, I, I want unless they simply want to avoid a totally toxic situation and they want to just get rid of him. I, I just don't know that they do that because I don't know what. First, I'm not sure what kind of market you're getting. They got a two and a five for Marshall Falk back in the day, which has been forever ago. But what if he goes to a team and and he and with the trade he demands? Hey, that extension I was talking about with them, I want with you guys. So I, I, it, it makes, I guess, more sense to, to sweeten the pot a little. What Again, what a little is to get it done, I don't know. Uh, it, it's, uh, I just it, Maybe they're still considering a trade because you always have to keep that door open. It sets a really a bad precedent to have a, your, best play, your best offensive player force his way out of town. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. This whole thing is a bad situation. It's almost like we're we're so used to bad situations that this one, no, while no, having no. impact, we've become a little bit numb to this stuff to a degree. Yeah, but it, but it, it's a little different though because again, you do have, you know, from the team's point, you've got a rookie quarterback, and you know, again, one thing Jimmy talked about was, boy, I just I just remember what Marshall Falk meant to Peyton Manning in 1998. Well, yeah, he did, and. And then you traded Falk. You know, before the next season, you traded Falk because he was going to hold out for a new contract. So, but yeah, it's it's really it. You kind of get used to it, but in the moment, you're thinking, "Please get this thing over, so we can worry about how the quarterback's advancing, how's the offensive line playing, yeah. will Juju Brents ever practice." <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, and those kind of things. How's the foot of DeForest Buckner? By the way, yeah. do you have an answer? No, uh, but you always, you know, generally in camp, if a guy's got an owie, he doesn't practice, whether it's something that's lingered or he doesn't practice. So we'll see. I would, you know, I, I won't be surprised if he misses a few days, or I won't be surprised if we get news that he did something. You just don't know. Because uh, again, camp, they just, they're very secretive about things and, and, and they don't really let things get out. So, Bucks, Bucks foot, it will certainly be worth monitoring in the days. Uh, the days ahead i'm assuming that and and i know that you've thought about this as well but i'm assuming that shane steichen evidently is cool with all this because i I think about it from this standpoint he must have some level of security uh in a belief that he can find and make up for any losses of jonathan taylor this is year number one with him as a head coach you get a rookie quarterback with very little at all collegiate experience and it would seem to me logical that you would want somebody of Jonathan Taylor's impact that we've actually seen production-wise out there. So evidently he feels relatively sure that he can make up for that. Is that that's something we can read into without – obviously he's not going to answer it if you ask him that, but can we read into that? Well, I, I would say no because he, he really isn't really a player in this. This is between the owner – the general manager. But he's ultimately on the hook for it, though. I'd, I'd kind of yeah, want no – and they've given him a lot, it seems like, a, a little bit to say and obviously leverage to be himself in his first year as a coach. I, it seems like that if he really did want this to happen, would he not convey that information to his general manager and then to his owner through his general manager here? I, I mean, well, that's, what, that, that's what I said. You, you really kind of wonder in, in their offseason meetings – if he, when they go over personnel, he said, yeah, Taylor's a great player, but, you know, I can, I can get by with, you know, a back-to-back committee if we have, you know, some, some decent players, which right now they really don't. I mean, Deion Jackson's there, is their most experienced, healthy player. And what's the running back? And what was that stat that someone put out there that the player with the most rushing attempts right now is Gardner Minshew with, with, with Taylor and, and Moth both out? So, you know, it, it's we were talking on our podcast today with Fox Fifty Nine. Is a lot of these coaches say, you know, I'm 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 just fine with the backs by committee. We've been successful and it's worked. Well, maybe they've never had that that stud running back. And if you give these guys the stud running back, then they say, oh, I, I guess it's better to have one guy, you know, one main guy, and then and then sprinkle people in. So, and that's why I mentioned I'm just wondering. You know what? What did Shane Steichen? What was his two cents worth when they were evaluating players? And we're, we'll never know that. But you know, you go back and look. Philly had uh, was a Miles Sanders last year with 1,200 yards. 
to the Super Bowl. And then that, see, I'm sorry, the numbers don't equate to that being a running back by committee because no, the agree. two other dudes in the backfield that ran that football for them, other than Jalen Hurts, who went for 700 plus, two other dudes had I think uh, 200 and some change between them. Right, I, I, I agree. I agree. The quarterback sort of throws it off kilter when you're saying backs by committee because the quarterback gives you 7,800 yards and. Yeah. If you're, if you're Lamar Jackson, it gives you a thousand, you know, Justin Fields type of thing. So it, it's, but I, I short of, of Shane Steichen going into the owner and saying, I need Jonathan Taylor. We both know that he's, you know, really, really close, if not ready to practice. Let's get this thing over with. Now, I, again, I don't know whether that, whether the a head coach, a new head coach would, would feel empowered to do that. I just think he's sort of, you know, not, not not right in the middle of this to where he's got that kind of influence to do that. This is, like I said, this is above, sort of above his pay grade, I guess. But for anyone to think that that there, there won't be a drop off, a major drop off from Jonathan Taylor to anybody else, yes. anybody else, Zach Moss, Deion Jackson, whomever, uh, they're crazy. And, and all you're going to all you're going to do is is hurt the development of your rookie quarterback or or Gardner Minshew for that matter, if you don't have JT in the lineup in September. Do they see any of the silliness, they being the Colts, you think, in this right now? Well, it depends on who you, when you say who they is. Yeah, but I, I a guess. Lot well, they, a lot of they let's, let's go down the line. Them. I mean, obviously the owner doesn't. <laughs> we have no idea what, what Chris Ballard thinks. Oh, um, I got a good day. Wouldn't you love to have been alongside Chris Ballard when he saw Jim Irsay's tweet? Well, I mean, you know, he's he's kind of like us. He should be used to it by now. I know, but and, and, and really, help. hey, Mike, Mike, that said, here's how I view it too, and I think you can fairly view it this way. That makes him look bad because you know you get a, a team that's not willing to extend a guy that yeah, Jim Irsay agreed go out and get him. What three years prior in the draft and right. trade up in round number two, but think, and but you're going to have this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know, but they haven't changed that dramatically. The necessity, the need for him, is still with them right now. It has hasn't changed that dramatically well again but but you've got a running back who who, who believes you know and again going into this offseason a lot of us thought you know michael pittman would get extended or at least had a good chance and and jt and now probably neither are going to get it so again all i can say is things have changed and it ha- it it hasn't helped a bit i mean there have been a lot of times players have wanted an extension didn't get it and they've kind of grumbled about it, and then they go to work because you know it's four million dollars. It's four point three million dollars, and hey, it isn't it isn't an average of sixteen million like McCaffrey's got, but it's four point three. And we talked about this several weeks a month ago about if the Colts wanted to play really hardball, you make JT play this year at four point three, and then you franchise him a year or two, and that that would really irritate the player. But at the same time, if he's productive, he's going to make about 20, I don't know, 28, 29 million dollars. You know, so that, that's not that bad. It's just that, you know, the, the franchise tag gives a team leverage over any player. It's supposed to be for a quarterback, could be any player, tight ends, whomever. Uh, like I say, I keep coming back to the fact that he's got some very strong arguments, but so does the team, and the team. Is the team, and and they will have the owner will have the final say. I 
when the agent came out and, and sort of went back and forth with the owner, I'm thinking I can think of a lot of people I'd rather get into a, you know, a word of, or, or you know, a war of words with than the owner, because barring things changing, he's not going to change his stance, and it's really difficult to try to push an owner into a corner and make him do something he doesn't want to do. So again, maybe in a couple, I guess in a couple of weeks we're going to know something because somebody's got to do something. But right now, this is an impasse that is really <laughs> dug in. Yeah, it, um, it it's something to me. Do you think at all, and before I let you go, Mike Chappell, by the way, CBS 4, Fox 59 with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Is there any way you can view this as, as in this fashion? So you extended a left guard. You extended a linebacker. Um, those are so-called non-essential positions right. of play in the NFL. Um, third time not to charm with this. Do we see this as a change? Because you mentioned earlier, you know, at the time, and things have changed, at the time, Chris Ballard, that was a part of his blueprint and his plan and how he felt effectively he should be building this team, which after six years, we know that to be flawed. Is that a change of heart, you think, in the rebuild and how this team is being put together in the future? Obviously, they drafted a quarterback of those means, but is this a change of heart not going with a non-essential player, even though he's put up numbers and been productive in the past, like we see with Jonathan Taylor? Well, but I I would consider running back an essential position in this offense. You know, maybe not across the league, but, you know, certainly not for Kansas City with Pacheco, a seventh-round pick, but oh, they got Patrick Mahomes. So I, I think th- I think running back is an essential position with this team right now. Uh, so is it a change? Maybe he's maybe he's kind of being more cautious. I think, but what he told us, he he, he sort of told us in his own way on when we talked to him when camp opened that 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 this was going to be different because hey, Jonathan's a great player, we love him and all this stuff. But again, he did, then he went over the four-win team, and and the market is what the market is, and we got a new coaching staff. And this coaching staff has not seen Jonathan Taylor practice, let alone play. So all of that sort of figures in. Michael Pittman's a little different as far as not getting his yet because you know receivers are are, are commanding twenty-two, twenty-five million dollars a year, and I'm not sure these guys are ready to swallow and do that yet. Taylor's I, I would give Taylor his, his extension if it was reasonable, you know, 13, 14 million, I guess the guaranteed money is what's important, but these guys have decided for right or wrong that they're, they're not prepared to do that. Was it uh, Jimmy said, well, you know, that's something we'll address after the season, which Taylor doesn't want to hear again. Somebody's got a blink and <laughs> it, I, I would think it's going to be Taylor first, but who knows? Yeah, <laughs> it's so much fun, isn't it? And it is it great, is. Uh, just great. I mean, if it I, goes if I, again. If I if I had to bet a hundred dollars of my own money on on Taylor being active in the opener, I would say yes. I mean, for the Colts, let's say for the Colts, I'd say no, yes. I would agree. Yes, because I just I just my head can't wrap around him really digging in and, and forcing the issue to where. He's suspended. He's on pup or NFI. That is so detrimental to the player. Forget the team. It's detrimental to the player and a guy that's what he's twenty four. It it just doesn't make any sense to me. But it's his career. Yeah, yeah. I I I absolutely agree. 
but uh, it's we've been down so many different paths here. Oh, it's it's absolutely I you know try to wrap your 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 head around this for a moment too. If somebody would have told you two three weeks ago that Jonathan Taylor was going to be so massively vilified in the eyes of Colts fans, would you have ever thought that in the fashion in not which really, he is right not now? Really, yeah, because he had never shown that aggressive nature again i'm it's not been that long ago that he said hey i signed a four-year contract yeah you know i and now that's how quickly things can change and and let's say that that we wake up tomorrow and lo and behold they give him an extension and three years or whatever then everybody kiss and makes up and then the fans will will be happy let's keep in mind yep he's got a mural up on lucas oil stadium he does doesn't take him very long to take that stuff good. down, though, does it? <laughs> it, done, it done, it's probably expensive, but they've done it a lot to you know take one down and put one up. Yeah, well, it's not it's not as expensive as taking a whale from one side of the country to the other. I know that. So <laughs> or buying Ringo drums or Ringo Starr's drum set. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got so much comedy. This oh, is comedy for days, right here. It really is. So, hey, buddy, I appreciate you. Did you have my? Uh, my burger at Ford's Garage? No, I got the chicken fingers, but I, I always laugh. <laughs> my my, uh, my daughter was in from Philly, and my wife and I took her up there. And that's a cool place. And it then, is. You know, they, they had, yeah. they had the, the windows or the, the doors open, but now I, I just saw yours, and I thought, nah, I don't want that. So my my man. My man. I think that thing's rocking like 1,400 calories, too, so it'll, well, fill, it'll fill you up. So then, then get a Diet Coke to drink with it. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. Next week.